Hi there, just popping in at the top to warn you that this podcast episode may include some language that's inappropriate for young ears, as well as discussions about terminal illness, murder, and suicide. And as always, there will be spoilers ahead. Now enjoy the show! Hey there, welcome to Tear Jerkers, a mostly comedic podcast where we rate movies on a teardrop scale. Because sometimes you just need a good cry, and we're here to tell you where to find it. I'm actor, writer, and so puffy-eyed I can barely see Maybell. And I'm Kimia, appreciator of men and scoopnecks. Today we'll discuss Catholic yoga, dying young, gallows humor, and we'll try not to talk too much about Kate McKinnon. No promises, though. Our movie this week is Irreplaceable You, a Netflix original movie about terminal illness and romance. So this is a pretty new movie. It came out in 2018. Had you seen it before this week? No, actually. I didn't even know about it until you suggested it as a movie option for this week. I watched the trailer the night before and I was like, oh, I'm already tearing up. So I'm I'm ready. I'm aware. I know what I'm getting into. So I watched it for the first time, I think, two nights ago. How about you? I... Hadn't seen it either. I can't even remember who recommended it to me. I don't remember putting it on the list, but oh. I must have. Okay. So here we are. We watched yeah. it. We, we both cried. watched Did it for the cry? first time. Oh, you know. Come on. You know it. I know you cried. Okay. <laughs> Alrighty. Do you want to do a quick rundown on the plot before we get into the uh, discussion? Sure thing. Irreplaceable You is about a young couple who have been together since age eight When Abby is diagnosed with stage four cancer, she starts looking for a potential future wife for her fiance, Sam. And they're about like 30, 31 years old or so in the time of the movie. So they've been together for like, wait, what's math? Um, Yeah, I I don't remember it saying their specific ages, but it might have. Well, yeah, so they've been together for so long. Yeah, because I think Abby says Sam is 31 and they're the same age. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. But before we get to the discussion, we should probably take a break. Let's take a break. This week's episode of Tear Jerkers is brought to you by movies that are set in New York City for absolutely no reason. Maybelle, I, like, didn't realize this was a thing, but... When you said that, I did realize it was a thing, but I, I need more information. Tell me more. Honestly, so actually the movie that we're discussing this week is what made me think of it because it has never been so blatant to me before. I like it never bothered me before this movie. It's probably the only thing about this movie that did bother me. Um, anyway, this, like there are so many movies, this one being a glaring one, for me, where there's a bunch of recognizable, like, New York City architecture and landscapes and, like, places that people are allowed to shoot movies, I guess, for free, um, like Central Park and the skyline and stuff, but it doesn't add anything to the movie. Like, especially with Irreplaceable You, I just felt like there was no benefit to having New York City as, like, the backdrop for the story. It didn't add anything to me. Yeah, like, now that I think about it, this could be set literally anywhere that, mm-hmm. um, I guess there's access to cancer treatment? That would really be the one limiting factor, right? I guess. I mean, actually, what I found hard to believe about the setting was that they're doing bird watching in, like, central New York City. 
Like, I don't know. I found that kind of stuff. Don't people do that though? I mean, maybe. It just seemed a little strange to me. I, I feel like it would have actually made more sense in a place that was a little bit more rural. I'm looking this up. Okay. Because I mean, yeah, I'm sure there is bird watching, bird watching in the city, but I just thought it was a very strange yeah. combination. But anyway, yes. Oh. There are tons yeah, of movies like this. Birds. I cannot name any except for Irreplaceable You at this moment, but don't at me. What is that? Okay, this made me think of that thing when they say, like, New York City is a character. Oh, in is Sex that... and the City? It's specifically oh, about it? Sex okay. and the City, that that the city is one okay. of the characters. It's like the last, it's the fifth girl of, like, the oh group my God. or whatever. Yes. And it's it's not in this movie. New York City it's is not, not a character is, in this movie. It is truly not a character whatsoever, like, not even a little bit. Like, you could argue, uh, you could also argue that New York City is a character in, like, Rent, maybe. You know, that that movie is okay. a very New York. Or the show and the movie adaptation of the show. Like, those, those yeah, are things where I I'm like, that. yes, that's very New York. And there are other movies that I'm like, yeah, it makes sense for this to take place in New York. But the only reason I could see this movie and a few others taking place in New York is just that that's where the actors live. And the director lives there, and they don't want to have to move somewhere to shoot a movie. Yeah, where it's, like, pretty... I don't know. I don't know. Kind of generic, right? It kind of... But maybe that's a good thing? Yeah. No, I actually think that's good, which is why I think having the backdrop of the New York City skyline detracted from the any place of it all in the movie, you know? Hmm. That's an interesting point. Like, this this movie really could have taken place in any part of, like, the United States. But they made it Even recognizably more, I New think, York. Like, at the heart, mm-hmm. I think they could have set this story, like, really anywhere. Yeah. Pretty much. Like, and had, like, very little adaptation for different cultures. But, like, mm-hmm. they could have set it in any country Maybe. Maybe. I don't know any, yeah. everything about every country, but like, you know. Yeah, it it has a lot of universal themes to it. Yeah. So, yeah. I noticed Abby, like, they took that same shot of Abby gazing at the skyline and they played it like oh, a yeah. million times. It was like this Why did they do that? that they kept going back to. I have no idea. No idea, truly. Just the one shot? Yeah. Yeah, that that did not make sense to me, I I would have to say. I think this is the first time like, our top ad break has actually like involved discussion and critique of the movie that we were discussing <laughs> that week. I mean, this is like really the only critique I have of the film. Yeah, exactly. It's it's not groundbreaking in any way, but no. it's fine. It's good. Yeah. It's cute. Wait, wait, don't give you know? don't give away anything too early. We are okay. not even back from the break yet. Okay. Okay. Are you ready though? I'm ready. I think I've said my piece. Uh, So yes, this episode of Tearjerkers is brought to you by my very strongly opinionated take that there are movies that are just set in New York City for absolutely no reason, and we should probably be more aware of that. Like, be aware. Start a GoFundMe. (laughs) An awareness campaign. Okay, Maybell, let's get into the discussion. What did you think about Irreplaceable You? 
And did it make oh, you cry? I loved it. <laughs> I loved it too. I mean, my bar for like a movie that I enjoyed is pretty low. I'm not a movie yeah. critic. If it's like a decent story and cute, like I'm, that's it. I'm happy. So I was happy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so coming into this movie, I was ready to cry a lot because I think I had something in my contacts or just something was going on with my eyes earlier in the afternoon before I watched this movie. So I like took out my contacts and I was ready to fully rinse out my eyeballs with tears. And this movie delivered like fully cried a lot to the point where I think it was actually like it circled back around to where my eyes were back to being puffy and red by the end of the movie and I was no longer cleansed by the power of tears. I had just like gone a little too far. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. Yeah, how about you? What were your initial takes? I enjoyed it. I didn't have any criticisms um, until I read like I skimmed a, an article online that they were saying it, it was like middling. And I was like, okay, it's like a Netflix movie. Like, what do you, Yeah. what? I mean, it doesn't have want? to be revolutionary. Yeah. Like, like let it, let it be cliche. Yeah. Honestly, I actually thought it was pretty well written. Yeah. It was well done. I, what I really loved about the movie and like they, they say this about a lot of great, like, heart-wrenching, tear-jerky movies is that, like, right after you cry, like, it makes you laugh. You're, like, laughing through the tears or whatever. But mm -hmm. this movie, seriously, like, consistently, every time that I was, like, sobbing, it would cut in with, like, the funniest joke mm -hmm. and, like, the darkest thing, but it was just so good. I honestly loved the humor in this movie, and I thought it was really well done. It was also, like, so many celebrities. Absolutely so studded. Like, so many recognizable people. The the cancer support group was, like, all recognizable faces from comedy. Yeah. Including, uh, you know. Kate McKinnon. <laughs> I yes. I love Kate McKinnon. I love Kate McKinnon. She did a great job in this movie. I love the Catholic yoga bit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, like, cracked me up. A full mass with vinyasa. A full Latin mass, I think. What? And that character seems so not Kate McKinnon. Oh, like I think yeah. Kate McKinnon gets cast as Kate McKinnon a lot. Mm-hmm. And or like you're gonna play basically yourself. Um, yeah. But in this movie it doesn't seem like it's Kate McKinnon at all, which was fun. Yeah. Um actually like one of my points of tearing up was during Kate's and she's named Kate in the movie <laughs> like I don't know if that was intentional or not but they named her character Kate I like but when I like that. when she has that like emotional moment and then she sings her theme song yeah. and you can hear her voice crack I started crying I was just like this is emotionally devastating like this woman is trying to remain positive in the face of death and uncertainty and, and she's trying so hard, and you can hear it in her voice. It, it made me cry. It did that, that did make me cry. Her theme song was great. And when it came on in the credits, I started crying again. <laughs> it was so good. <laughs> I want to hear it. I wonder if it's on YouTube. Now I want to look. 
So one of my first tear up moments is probably when after Abby gets the diagnosis, she's on the phone with her mom and her mom is crying about like the diet soda and using the microwave and how like there were things that she could have done as a parent. And like that made me tear up a little bit. It, it, uh, it was a lot of feelings and it reminded me of my mom. Yeah. It's so true. Like you wonder mm -hmm. about every single thing you've ever done. And like, so many people use the microwave and drink diet soda. Yeah. That yeah. was absolutely not a contributing factor no. to this cancer. I mean, also, if I learned one thing in human bio in high school, it's that everything gives you cancer. Yeah. Like, being alive gives you cancer. Like, eventually, yeah, it's, like, literally actually how the body works. That, like, that's what free yeah. radicals are. They they give you cancer and it's just like how your body oxidizes or something. I don't know. I'm not a scientist. Yeah. That was sweet. And like her poor mom. And then like, you know, like ring theory. Have you heard of that? It's like one of those things that floats around on the internet every once in a while. But basically, um, in that moment, she's like, I have cancer and I have to tell my mom. And then her mom is like, I'm upset oh. about this on the phone call. Yes. And she's like, I have to go. I can't yes. do this. I can't come for my mom about this right now. I know what you mean about the ring theory. I actually thought about it in a later scene with her mother uh -huh. where her mother was talking about her own support group for parents of people who have cancer. And I was like, that's good. Yeah. Ha you know, have like an outer ring support group. Oh, um, do you want to explain the ring theory thing in case any of our listeners don't know what that is? Okay. Susan Silk and Barry Goldman. I don't know who they are, but they wrote this really good article in the Los Angeles Times about ring theory. And... Basically, the concept is that when there is a crisis, the person experiencing the crisis is in the center circle. And then on the next circle is that person's like maybe spouse or in very immediate family. And then in the next circle is the next closest people and so on. And the idea is that you send comfort to the inner rings and then you complain to the outer rings. So you never ever complain to the person in the center or in yeah. the circles that are closer to the center than you. Yes. You you comfort in and you can complain out. Yes. Of like basically the epicenter of whatever crisis is happening. Yes. So like mom's best friend would be on like the third or fourth ring. So mom can complain to her best friend about how hard it is that her daughter has cancer, but mom cannot complain to her own daughter about having cancer. Yeah. Like, because it's happening to her. So yeah, I, I love that, um, that very concise analogy for simplifying emotional labor and, mm -hmm. um, comfort and support for one another. I think it really helps explain some level of like etiquette that might seem obscure to people. Yeah. Yeah. I have used this. I printed this article out and gave it to my parents one time. Oh, incredible. <laughs> incredible. <laughs> you guys need to read. It was anyway. So ring theory, very effective. Read the article. I love it. Um, I did want to discuss or at least mention a certain quote near the beginning of the movie that I really liked. And I think it was just very um, the mood because the night that I was watching this was the night of the United States general election in 2020. Mm -hmm. um, so the, the quote was, 
insane things are normal. Have you looked around? I'm pretty sure it's Christopher Walken who says yeah. that. Um, I just felt it so hard. I had to write it down. Um, yeah, that was a good one. But I, I really got the tears working up during the like montage of life goes on and like there are ups and downs and they show her like laughing to music and then sobbing to music in the very same outfit and then you know having like funny moments with Sam and then being like really sad I don't know that montage got me a little bit um and then oh the ring theory thing also applies here when Benji who's Sam's best friend supposedly Mm -hmm. um was talking to Sam about stuff going on and Sam was like can we not talk about this mm-hmm. and then and Benji just starts talking about like random like fun facts mm-hmm. you know things about statistics and just random like not important but just fun and engaging little tidbits of things and that made me really start to tear up more because I thought that was really beautiful and yeah like, that was really cute a wonderful moment of support Benji, Benji is Abby's brother, right? Like they're siblings. No. 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 I they thought never he established said that, did they? That something about his sister when at their engagement party or something, and he's like my sister. Oh, now I'm not I don't sure. Think I, that, that, I, I could have sworn they're siblings because Benji. No, 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 no. They're not siblings because there's a scene later where Abby says that she's saw she's has that breakdown with her mom and this also made me cry I'm just gonna say that so we don't have to touch on it again later about how it made me cry but her her breakdown with her mom at the restaurant where she says like I'm really sorry that I'm leaving you and that dad left you and that you're gonna be all alone so if Benji was her brother yeah then she would then yeah then her mom wouldn't be like I'm all alone but it was confusing in the in the engagement party because they made it seem like Benji was more on Abby's um, like side of the aisle for the wedding or whatever, and then the entire movie he spent being Sam's support. So yeah, I was kind of confused about that at first too. I was just so like, oh, they're siblings, and I was like, oh, how cute is it that like he's best friends with her brother? That's adorable. I love that. Okay, did that all happen? Like, my first misty-eyed moment Mm -hmm. was when they're lying in bed and she says, what if I die? And Sam says, I would never recover. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, that's two notes down for me. There's one more between the Benji helping Sam with distractions and then what if I died, I would never recover because I definitely cried there too. Yeah. Um, Right before that... The laundry timer metaphor made me cry. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh the, the metaphor about how, like, if, if the laundry is not done, if you're not ready, you can turn the time back. It's like... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so... <sighs> yeah, that, that got me, got me as well as their conversation before bed. So I also welled up when Abby broke the, like, childhood relic thing that what Sam had given her as a kid. It literally made... looked like something purchased from Ikea. Like, I was like, what is that? That's like oh, a I vase? Oh, I had no idea what it was. Like, I p- swear it's, like, n- not something a child would give to another child. 
Yeah, I have no idea what it could be, but I honestly didn't see it before it was broken. So <laughs> I went back because I kind of missed it, <laughs> and I went back and I was like, "That's a vase. That's a fucking like it's a white. Va- it's plain. It's a white vase. It's not I cute. It's not charming. It's not something a child would give to another child. It wasn't like a handmade ceramic item that you made in kindergarten. It was like just like tar- did you get it at Target? Like I don't. Yeah, what? come on. Anyway, come on, props. that was the most <laughs> unbelievable hilarious. moment of the whole movie. Oh, you see, I was just, like, so into whatever the actors were doing. I was just, like, truly living in the circumstances with them that I didn't even notice that the prop was shitty. Like, <laughs> um, yeah, I was like, yeah, sure, whatever those pieces of white ceramic are, yeah, yes, they do carry that emotional weight. <laughs> you go. So, um... If she had said, like, you gave that to me for our anniversary, I would have been like, oh, okay, sure, yeah. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, but, but like, the idea of it being irreplaceable because it's something from, you know, like, 20 years ago or something. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, it was, yeah. I yeah. changed my mind every one critique about this movie. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, and then, like, yeah, the whole, the whole, like, ending from... From, like, when Myron died, Christopher Walker's character. Okay, wait, are we already there? I mean, the other the other things here I've already discussed earlier. It was, like, the conversation with her mom at the restaurant made me, like, fully stream tears down my, down my face. Mm-hmm. Like, that, that breakdown really got me. And then Kate's theme song, um, and those are the last two I have before Myron's death. I cry, or I got misty-eyed, the tall nurse. What's his name? <gasps> Oh, oh my Damien. god, I love it. Dominic? So fu- yeah, Dominic, he's so funny. He I was don't, really funny. I literally don't remember what was happening in the movie, but my notes say when they tell her to refocus. Do you know what I was talking about? The the tall nurse, I guess, told her to oh, refocus. I, I don't know. I don't remember, because most of his moments were very comedic. He's hilarious. Even, he's so funny. Like... Um, there's nothing better than a funny nurse. Like when you're in oh, a, yeah. a hospital or something, an emergency or surgery or whatever, like the funny nurses will get you through. God bless mm-hmm. funny nurses. Yes. This, this episode of tear jerkers is brought to you by funny nurses. Mm-hmm. Big fan. Um, yeah. And then, um, when they dance, they're like in their kitchen or something. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And they, they joke about practicing their first dance there. Because they're gonna do the ceremony in in the in the apartment. Yeah, yeah I'm a sucker that, for that. Like the kitchen dance sequence. Yeah, is a kitchen dance sequence classic. gets me. Yeah, classic romantic movie trope. I'm a weak little bitch for that. Oh, I love I love to know that about you. <laughs> Why? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um. I think before the end end, my only other tear jerked moment for some reason was when she's trying on the wedding dress. Mm-hmm. But I think some of it might have just been because my eyes were already welling up from Sam's proposal that it just kind of spilled over at the moment of the wedding dress. Yeah, and then and then there was the, the devastating end. Yeah, like which it was I basically... should have seen it coming. Yeah. It was basically, like, from the hawk. When she, like, wakes yeah. up in the morning, she sees the hawk, and she's like, oh. 
And then she fucking closes her eyes. And I'm like, she's, like, she died, she died, right? And then yeah. it, like, keeps going. And I'm like, did she, but she died, right? And then she did, mm-hmm. that she, like, she did indeed die. And that yeah. moment on, the party, and then the ending shot with the aquarium was just, like, tears in my eyes yeah. the whole time. I, I, yeah, I was crying all through. I wrote, I can't believe she died before the wedding. How the fuck did I not see this coming? <laughs> like, for some reason, I was like, they're going to get married and then she's going to die like two days later or like three days later, you know, like, mm-hmm. like not too long afterwards, but they're still going to get their wedding and then I'm going to cry a lot. And they did get the wedding ceremony and yeah, really sad. Every time I see a scene like this where a person d- dies shortly before or after they get married, I mm-hmm. it always makes me wonder about, like, the logistics of that. Like, um, who, if they die before and they don't get married, then where does the medical debt go? And then if they do get married, like, doesn't the spouse take on all the medical debt? Like, yeah, like when you hear about, like, um, 18-year-old girl dies moments after fulfilling her dream of getting married you know when she's like has cancer and her boyfriend marries her in the hospital or and then she dies immediately after like does that child get all of her medical debt what happened i don't know but i was considering that too i was like it's it is surprising um it is a little interesting to think about if there is going to be a lot of medical debt they didn't really touch much on um the costs of dealing with terminal illness yeah not in detail just vaguely like oh we need that money for your treatment but there's no like crushing scenes of holding mail yeah because because that's not what the movie's about it's not isn't about medical debt the movie is about like what what was the term that christopher walken used like premeditated mourning or something like that like yeah kind of preemptive anticipatory anticipatory yeah anticipatory morning and it's about Um, love which i really related to Mm -hmm. not from a terminal illness perspective of course but like i think we've discussed before that sometimes i feel like if i process grief before a person dies i feel like i'll be better prepared for when they die and that's like literally true Okay, okay, I'm glad that's true, because I'm, like, like, the fact that I obsess over the deaths of my loved ones is healthy, right? So, I think I said this before, no, obsess is a little too far. That's, like, the line where, like, you maybe should talk to someone about that. But, yeah, my therapist at one point definitely told me, like, if, when something's, like, a major possibility, Mm -hmm. it's very normal to do a little bit of anticipatory grieving yeah yeah I mean I think I just I I uh disguise my anxiety under the veil of um preparing myself for the eventuality of everyone's death Mm -hmm. you know you know did Um, I extend to you my offer that I extended to another friend that like if I know I'm gonna die I can take you out too If that's a comfort to you, let me know, and I'll add you to that list of people. Thanks, thanks. Um, <laughs> I'll consider joining your murder suey pack. No, no, no. But no. I have to think about no, it. No, it kind of no. depends on like what my career is like at that point. It's only if I know I'm going to die. Mm-hmm. 
Anyway, we can talk about that when we're not being recorded. <laughs> so, anyway, um, this movie. <laughs> yeah, this movie. Um, we haven't really talked. I mean, like, we've talked a little bit about the parts that make us cry, but we didn't talk about, like, kind of Abby's main quest, which is to yes. find Sam a wife. <laughs> Yes, I, that's what I wanted to touch on before we wrapped up the discussion portion. Because I've, I've hit on all of the moments that made me cry, which had nothing to do with the central plot, which was Abby, like, trying to set up Sam with another woman for when she dies, which is bad. I've heard of this before. It's been done. It is one of those things where, like, when, he, when she's showing him how to do laundry, I'm like, ooh. Like. I didn't think that was that bad like they've been together since they were literal children and it kind mm-hmm. of makes sense that some chores would just automatically like f- they, they don't make him out to be like totally like can't do yeah. housework but like it makes sense that some chores are just like I like to do this one yeah I just feel like maybe you could let him learn how to do laundry before he finds another woman like like yeah. there can be there could be a break instead yeah. of hoisting this man's undone labor onto an unsuspecting woman. Well, she does. She does teach him. Well, I mean, she, she shows does. him. Yeah. Yeah, she shows him. I mean, that's how the whole, like, laundry timer yeah. metaphor happened, which was a great moment of tear-jerking. So I, I can't act like I didn't appreciate that. Um, and it's not like there's another chore that they could accomplish that metaphor with. So I guess I can't blame them for choosing laundry as the chore to do that with. But, like... I, I like the premise. It was kind of cute. You know, she's like really worried about him and she wants to like look out for him in the future. But mm-hmm. but it was one of those things where it's like, it's kind of kind of messed up. It's yeah, like up. The, the, he needs to like grieve your loss first yeah. before he finds another lady. Like you have to give him mm-hmm. time to do that. And you can't like yeah. bookmark this lady and be like, hey, so I'm going to die in the next year. And then I estimate Sam is going to need X number of years to grieve. And then um, you're going to swoop yeah. in. Okay. Like. Because that's not fair to her. It doesn't work like that, actually. Yeah. Um, as it turns out. As it turns out. But yeah. yeah. It's cute. I, it wasn't even. That was like her her quest. But it kind of mm-hmm. didn't seem like it was the plot. It was like a mechanism. Yeah. I mean, it. yes. Because that's kind of like her hurdle to overcome in which she learns that she should enjoy the moments that she still has with yeah. Sam instead of preparing him yeah. for a relationship with another woman when she's gone. Mm, yeah. And that's yeah. why they get married anyway, or why they, they plan the wedding anyway, yeah. which was really cute. It was. And I like that they had all three cake flavors. Yeah, that was really cute. Um, like, and, and that they brought that back. They were discussing the cake flavors at the beginning of the movie before she was diagnosed. And then mm-hmm. once they decided to go through with the wedding, they brought it up again at the end of the movie. And it was really cute. And they had three different cakes. I thought it was cute, too. Oh, that was really beautiful. Okay, I also want to say I loved Christopher Walken's line about bird watching. That she, Abby is like, you like doing this? And he's like, no. Or she says, like, this is your hobby. And he's like, no, it's an obsession. Like, he they don't really like it. I love that. Yeah. (laughs) Christopher Walken's character, Myron, had so many great lines. 
I and love an unlikely friendship trope. Me too. I really, I really like this movie. Like, yes, it's cheesy and not groundbreaking, but like it's doing what it's going to do and it does it well. Mm-hmm. I agree. You know? Yeah. It's definitely one of those, like, be grateful for the time you have with your loved ones movie. Mm-hmm. So before we give our ratings, Kimia, can you run through the rating scale, please? I will do that. One teardrop, bone dry. Two teardrops, I could see myself crying, but I didn't. Three teardrops, it got me a little. Four teardrops, I cried. And five teardrops, full sobbing. So what do you rate it? I'm going to rate this movie a solid five. Mm-hmm. I was going to do a 4.8 in docket point two for the unnecessary New York City setting. <laughs> but um, by the end of the movie, I was really so puffy eyed that I could barely see. So oh, I no. guess I, I should really like it qualifies as a five. You mm-hmm. know? So I didn't like ugly cry until maybe the very end. Mm-hmm. But um, but like, yeah, yeah. Solid tearjerker. I mean, like. Yeah, Netflix got it. They know. They know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, what about you? I think I'm broken because, like, I literally, one of my partners died, and then the next mm-hmm. person I dated got cancer. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember. Yeah. And I, like, didn't actually cry. What? Yeah. Like, I you... don't know. Did I? Yeah, but you didn't, you didn't like, you didn't really like the partner that got cancer. Yeah, but it was like, that's not. Like, I still cried a lot when that was happening. That's and true. And after. I wouldn't say that. <laughs> That's so mean. <laughs> you didn't really like him. You didn't really like that guy. The one who had cancer. <laughs> <laughs> he's not going to listen to this. No, he's not going to listen to it. Okay. Um... I'm sorry. Anyway. Do you want me to not say that? No, it's just funny. <laughs> um, yeah, so I didn't actually, I didn't. I didn't do a full sob. Um, mm. Like, maybe I cried all those tears out already. I don't know. Um, or maybe. maybe... Yeah, I don't I don't know what's going on with that. Maybe I've I mean, resolved it. Sometimes... Mm, I mean, also, sometimes, like, things can be a little bit too close to home where it's, like, not an effective, like... Oh, escape. maybe. Like, you I've know? already lived this, so... Yeah. Like, you, been there, you, done like, that. By synthesizing your past boyfriends, like, you could kind of approximate this movie's experience, kind of. So maybe it's yeah. just a little bit too real, you That know? could be. So anyway, like, I, like, teared happens. up, but I didn't actually okay. cry. So I've got to, I have to give it a three, even though, like, mm-hmm. it deserves a five. Yeah. But by the Kimia-specific rating scale, it only got a three. And that's a shame. That's a damn shame. I tell you what. Well, it's okay. It's okay. I'll forgive you. Thank you. (laughs) Alrighty. So I think we should take one last break before we get to our last segment for the day. Okay, let's take a break. This episode of Tear Jerkers is brought to you by Terminal Illness. And we're back. So it's time for the closing segment. I think we're going to be doing What Made You Cry This Week. Mm-hmm. Maybelle, I cried this week. Oh, did you? I cried. It was the gay Oreo commercial. Did what? you see it? It's... No, wait. I don't, I don't like see, I don't have TV TV. I don't either. So. I don't either. I found it on Autostraddle. They had it in like their link roundup. I know. They're like, watch the gay Oreo commercial. I think they're, oh the headline or something was like, 
did you cry watching the gay Oreo commercial? And I was like, click. I would love to see that. I'm going to find out. <laughs> it's really Okay, cute. well, you're going to have to send me a link so I can watch it. And then we'll put a link to that in the show notes. Yeah, you should watch it. It's very cute. Um, it did make me tear up a little bit. Um, one day I'll come out to my dad. <laughs> um, what made you cry this week? What made me cry this week was a voicemail of an older gentleman on a podcast talking about making a new friend. And he said, at 75, you don't make a lot of new friends. And that just like out of nowhere, just like tore into my heart. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, it, it made me think a lot about um, Christopher Walken's character in this movie, actually, mm -hmm. like an, an older man with a terminal illness and just like the the scene where they talk about like why did you bother becoming friends with someone that you knew was gonna die mm -hmm. and like yeah so that voicemail on that podcast episode really got to me and I've been thinking about it ever since I listened to it um yeah so that's what made me cry this week yeah well I think that's all for this episode of tearjerkers did you like irreplaceable you Tell us how it made you feel by hitting us up on Twitter at tearjerkers underscore pod and join the conversation with other listeners on Facebook at tearjerkers community. And if you want to send us a voice memo with your movie nomination and why that film made you cry, you can send that to tearjerkers.podcast at gmail.com. And if you guys have the time, it seriously takes less than a minute, but if you could just leave a five-star rating and a review on whatever platform that you use to listen to our podcast, it would be really helpful getting us into more ears and helping us on the charts so that people know where to look for us. And don't forget to subscribe or favorite so that you can be sure to catch the next episode where we'll be discussing Lilo and Stitch. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. I love this movie. I'm excited too. I know that's like your, one of your favorite movies of all time and your ultimate tearjerker. And I'm really excited to talk to you about it. Yes. Yes. I start crying like immediately. I mean, as I've learned in the process of doing this podcast, I, there are several movies that will get me to start crying just like on the title sequence. So I guess yeah. it doesn't like mean a lot or whatever, but like, I love this movie so much. It's one of my go-tos. It's so good. Okay. Oh, how exciting. And as always, tell your friends about Tear Jerkers. Tell someone you know who loves terminal illness romance movies. Oh my God about this podcast or if you know anyone who's obsessed with bird watching tell them to listen to this episode tear jerkers is produced by me mabel shimizu and co-hosted by me and kimia ranchbaron the wizard behind our intro music and the editing hero of this podcast is gage Pryor. you can find more of his tunes at soundcloud.com slash lincoln please thanks for listening and speak up against movies that are unnecessarily set in new york city